0: Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. Awesome, awesome. Well, don't forget about Operation Christmas Child. You can get your boxes in the tent on your way out today. I know some of you were already getting some last week. And and man, you can get some more. It's a great way to be a ministry and a missionary to the world without even leaving your city. So uh, Operation Christmas Child, don't want to forget about that and be a part of that. Hey, I want to just give a shout out. Um, some of you may not realize this, but uh, some of our worship team, they get here at 6 o'clock. they be in worship practicing at 6.30. We got a parking lot team. We got a nursery kids church team. They unload a trailer in the back and fix up a kids church every Sunday morning before first service, so they can, the workers can come to first service, enjoy that, and then they, they're they back there second and third service, and I just, there, there's a lot of people that do a lot of stuff that you don't even know about. I just want us to give them a good old shout out. Can we do do that this morning? Say thank you for all that you do. Appreciate them so much. They really are a great dream team. If you want to be a part of the dream team, you can be a part as well by going back to the Connect Center, and we promise we won't. Put overalls on you if you do. It'll just be an opportunity to serve the Lord. Look forward to that Wednesday night harvest party. it will be fun. Again, if it's raining, it will be uh, Friday night. We'll change the Friday night if it's raining. So just look on the website to see if it's going to be changed or not. But we'll play that one by year. Um, one of the, the things we're gonna. Uh, one of the things I, I love doing every year um, is I I love to show uh, the pastors. Uh, how much I love them and God loves them. And one of my dreams is to bring the local pastors together for us just to pray together. And, and so the Lord's just kind of connected me and some other pastors together in this area in our community and, and uh, all over kind of Baldwin County area. And we, for the last three years, we meet actually every month, pray and have lunch together. And then uh, once a year, for the last three years, we've gone on a retreat together to a cabin out in the woods, and we just literally pray together from Sunday to to Thursday, and I just want to show you a picture of these guys. We just did this this past week, and we're just out on this porch uh, and just loving on the Lord and praying together, seeking the Lord, having communion and stuff together. And, and I just want to just tell tell you that we have some incredible pastors in this area. That's just a few of them um, that really love God, but they really love the people and. Um, can we just uh, you know, just show appreciation? I know they're not here, but man, just aren't you thankful that we have pastors that love God and love people? That's really important. It really is. Pray for us. My wife and I, we're going to be heading out as soon as third service is over and a couple others, and we're going to be heading to uh, uh, the Atmore Fountain Prison. We're going to prison. So uh, this will be our last... No, I'm just kidding. We're going there. We are. They're going to let us out, though, but we're going to is um, a prison ministry that we're a part of. And uh, we have a team up there that's been already there since Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and then today we're ending. They're having a retreat, and uh, it's really cool, a retreat inside the prison ministry itself, prison itself. And um, then we're going to finish it up today. Some of you have made cookies for the inmates up there, and a little prayer chain. Thank you for all that. And uh, so today we're going to have a little graduation for the inmates there. And uh, looking forward to that. So we'll be traveling up there as soon as we get done with third service. Well, I pulled up to the gas station this past week, and, and uh, there was a lady pushing her car up to the pump. And so being the gentleman that I am, I uh, put my car in park, and I got out, and I began to uh, push the car with her. And uh, she turned to me. She said, uh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm helping you push your car Uh, what are you doing? She says, I'm just exercising and getting stretched out for my jog I'm about to take. (laughs) I'm kidding, that didn't happen to me. I thought it was funny. Uh, (laughs) Hey listen, have you ever uh, been in a situation where you're like uh, on a road walking down a dark road all by yourself, hearing noises on the sides and just that like, kind of apprehension, like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I wish I had someone here with me, like the two guys climbing the mountain, you know, and the bear comes out in the middle of the path, and, and they take off running as fast as they can, and finally one stops and pulls his backpack off and starts pulling out his tennis shoes. The other guy goes, what are you doing, man? You can't outrun that bear. He said, no, but I can outrun you, and that's all I need to do is <laughs> outrun you, but you know what I'm talking about? Just being scared and being fearful. Maybe being in a house all by yourself. I was uh, house sitting. A friend of mine was house sitting um, for some people that were out of town. They called me. It was a it was a young lady. I was in Bible college. She called me in the middle of the uh, night and said, can you come help me? Um, I'm hearing noises outside. I'm house sitting. I hear noises. I know something's going on outside this house. I'm hearing noises. And, and so I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I'd be in this you know, great guy, I'm going to just, you know, help this young lady in distress. And so I'm racing to her, to this house and uh, got pulled over by the police for, for, for driving too fast. So I'm pulled over, pulled over, and I'm like, sir, you know, I really felt I had a good excuse. I said, sir, I really, I'm trying to go help this person. They, they think someone's breaking in. They could be breaking in even right now. As we're, you're giving me this ticket. He goes, did they ever call the police? I said, that's a good question. I don't even know if they did that. I don't think they did. He goes, well, don't you think that would be the person to call instead of you? I said, well, probably so. So anyway, by the time I did get to the house, they realized it was just some branches blowing up against the window. Come on. So I got a traffic ticket for nothing. Um, <laughs> but it's been, it's, sometimes it's scary. My dad worked at this, um, he worked for a company called Stark Brothers Nurseries, and it's a they you they, they know manufacture, but they grow fruit trees. Um, and they um, thousands of acres and then they store them in these warehouses uh, that are very dark and very damp and in and, and long long warehouses just and uh, he'd taken me into these warehouses from time to time and even in the daytime they're very dark anyway and uh, I just felt like, ooh this would be a, a creepy place to kind of have to be at nighttime and, and uh, he goes, yeah, sure would and so one night, he took me up to the office. He had to pick some papers up at the front office, and when we walked in, there was a fellow sitting there uh, in the lobby with a uh, cup of coffee and this little thing, this little machine that he had strapped around his, um, his neck, and uh, so I thought that was kind of strange and went in and passed him. I said, Dad, who's that man out there with that machine around his, uh, his neck? He goes, well, he's a night watchman. I said, well, what's a night watchman? He said, well, that's the man that goes around and just checks all the buildings and, and, um, and makes sure there's no one stealing anything, taking anything, and, and um, keeping all the property safe. I said, are you telling me that there's, there's a man that goes to all these dark, weird, creepy, uh, you know, warehouses by himself? He walks by himself. He goes, you got a flashlight? I said, but you're telling him by himself? He goes, he goes, yeah, by himself. I said, that has got to be the most, the bravest man I've ever met in my life. And from that point on, the night watchman replaced Batman and Superman and Spider-Man all together, just boom, just like that. I'm like, Dad, I don't know what they pay that man to do that, but it's not enough, I guarantee you. What a brave man that is to to brave the dark and to to be by himself and be so brave. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about that very topic. Our message title this morning, as you can see, is YNWA. You'll never walk alone. It's an acronym I came up with. You like that? It's pretty cool, right? You'll never walk alone. Y-N-W-A, not Y-W-C-A, Y-M-C-A. It's Y-N-W-A. You'll never walk alone. And um, I want to read this passage of Scripture, and we'll just jump into this passage a little bit. Psalms 23, verse 4, you've heard it before. Even though I walk through, everybody say through, Even though I walked through the darkest valley, I'm glad that the Lord told us that we walked through it. I'm glad we don't walk into it and we're stuck and we have to stay in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm glad that there's a road in, but there's also a road out. Come on. Someone said if you're ever in a storm, the good news about a storm is if you keep on driving, you'll come out to the other side and there'll be sunshine. It is the same way with the valleys of shadow of death or fear or whatever is around you. We walk through the darkest valley. We fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. I love the fact that it says, you are with me. Turn to your neighbor one more time. Tell him, you got somebody with you, believe it or not. Come on, you got somebody with you, believe it or not. There's one of three reasons that people get lost in the woods. One would be that they walk alone and they're not with somebody else helping them. The second would be that they don't have GPS or a map or a guide or any purpose for even being there. And the third is after they've come to a point where they realize they're lost, they don't stop at that point, but they keep on going. Three reasons why people get lost. Did you know that the National Forest uh, um, not industry, not a company, service, there you go, the National Forest Service spends $5 million of taxpayers' money just to find lost people in woods. Can you believe that? $5 million goes just to find lost people. At some point, I think, though, we've all felt that way. Maybe felt stranded. Maybe felt isolated. Maybe felt alone. Maybe it's because of a series of situations. Maybe you've never really been this person that's ever felt alone or isolated or uh, by yourself. I, and let me just say this: this morning, this may not be for you, but it may be for somebody you do know. I promise you, there's probably some people that you know that need to hear this message this morning. If it's not you, but I do believe that there's situations that come across our life, and maybe it's a situation you found yourself into, and and, and it's and it's left you kind of broken, a little hopeless. Maybe it was a breakup that you just had recently, and now you feel isolated and without friends and lonely. Maybe it was a, a loss of a loved one that you've experienced, and now there's a deep hole in your heart, and it's almost like you wake up every morning, and it's like this, this gloom and this depression, discouragement. Maybe it's the separation you've gone through recently, or a divorce, perhaps. And because of that, there's this longing for companionship, and you just feel all alone. Or maybe you were relocated to a new city and uh, or a new community or moved to a new neighborhood, and, and you don't know anybody, and, and everyone's kind of a stranger to you, and you feel this sense of perhaps isolation. I just want you to know this morning that you were created by God to walk in relationship with God and with others. and that that's why we even have small groups, and we talked about just an innocent plug for small groups around here because its it's why God created us. But when we walk alone, what happens is sometimes we find ourselves in bad situations. We we get lost, or we end up in thorn bushes, or falling off a cliff or in a canyon. Whatever could, the scenario might be, but but and then we just kind of cling to whatever help comes our way. And sometimes we find ourselves in bad relationships because we bounced into it because of we just wanted to be uh, not alone. Did you know that tragically, every 40 seconds, someone commits suicide in the United States? Every 40 seconds. Do you know how many people that is? Did you know that the 10th leading cause of death in the United States is suicide? And, and on top of that, half, half a million people this year will go to the hospital just to, to be helped because they tried to commit suicide, tried to kill themselves. As a tragic number of people in a world where we're more connected than we've ever been before, and yet feel all alone. We're on Facebook. We got you know a thousand friends on Facebook. Yet we still sit at home alone, still feeling somewhat like we don't have any friends. I, I was told about this very successful minister, and he had done incredible things in his life over the period of many years, and. Towards the end of his life, someone asked him this question. They said, Sir, how were you able to basically shake the world the way you have? And in your your lifetime, Uh, it's amazing what you've done. How have you accomplished all this? And his answer was very simple. He said, Well, you you seem to forget that there's always been two of us, never just me. It's always you and the Lord. Come on. Because he never leaves you. So whatever you're doing, you're also doing it with someone else. That's the good news. There's nothing that you do that God's not interested in. And there's never a place that you go that God's not there. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I'm going to read the book of um, the Bible. We're going to read a little bit, First Kings chapter 19. We're going to read like 12 verses. It'll be your Bible reading today. And we're going to talk about this guy named Elijah. Elijah had been this, this incredible prophet in that hour of Israel's time. And he had done miraculous things. And people were talking about this guy all over the place. And he was just a man of great faith and great uh, integrity and loved the Lord and just did whatever God asked him to do. He went to the king and said, look, there's no, the Lord told me to tell you there's not going to be rain until the Lord says there's going to be rain. And the king laughed at him, and from that point on, there wasn't a drop of rain to hit that country for three and a half years until that prophet came back and, and told him there was gonna be rain now. I mean, this this guy was a very powerful man. And yet we find him in this situation where he, in first uh, Kings chapter 18, he had taken all, um, all the false prophets up to a mountain, and on top of that mountain, they kind of had a like a little showdown. And it was there that God revealed his power that there was only one God. That was Elijah's God. And, 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 and at that very one moment, he was able to just kind of basically cleanse the nation of, of false prophets. And so this is where we pick the story up. And so Ahab told Jezebel, and Ahab is the king of Israel. Jezebel's his wife. She's the queen. Everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. In other words, she said, dude, I'm coming after you. I'm going to send an army if I have to, and you're going down. I can't believe you've totally annihilated our our religious beliefs In one afternoon by your antics, and I'm taking you down, and we're going to eliminate you from the plight that you've caused on our nation. Now remember, he just had been used by God to do this incredible thing, and God had come down with a fire and consumed the sacrifice and the wood and and the stones and even lapped up all the water around the sacrifice. It was an incredible story. What a mighty move of God they had to cleanse the whole nation of these false prophets. Don't you think he would feel very brave? Don't you think that in that moment he felt very courageous and very like, wow, I'm the man of God and God's powerful and look what God's done through me. And then here's what, he gets this news and here we pick it up. He hears this news and Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. What? That, that baffles me. I don't know why it baffles me because I know really in all of our lives sometimes we we all experience these great moments where God comes through and we go wow what a great God we have and then the next moment we get a bad news or we get a report or we get we have a conversation we have a run in we have something goes sideways in our life and suddenly we go from mountaintop to valley we go from great moment to despair we go from uh, from from life and joy and happiness uh, to despair Despondency and sadness. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. This is Elijah. He's like, he goes goes straight into despondency. It gets worse. He's afraid. He runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He comes under under a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He prays, God, just kill me. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush, fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, you need to get up and you need to eat. And he looked around. There was, by his head, was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and laid down and went down again. You know, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, all you want to do is sleep, Right? Even though an angel shows up in the middle of a desert, gives you bread and water, you're still depressed. I mean, what in the world's going wrong with this guy? And the angel comes back a second time, touched him, said, "Look, you need to get up and eat." And the journey's too much, so he ate some more, drank, and was strengthened by the food and traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then, here we go. He went into a cave. He went into a cave. And spent the night. How many times have we gone into a cave? We just like, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna just, I'm just I'm just gonna isolate myself. I'm just gonna pull back. I'm just you know, I'm not gonna stretch myself out there, I'm not gonna put myself out there anymore. Look what's happened to me. Every time I seem to put myself out there and take a risk, I, I get. I get hurt. So you know what? And we've all found ourselves at one time or another putting ourselves into a, what? A cave. We've isolated ourselves. He goes into this cave and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing in a cave? Don't you think God probably says that to us more than once? What are you doing in the cave? And this is Elijah, the great prophet. This was the man that just just a few days ago, had literally cleansed the nation of its incredible um, hypocrisy. And, and, and now he's in a cave. He says, look, I've been zealous for you, God, and, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. they put your prophets to death with the sword. Can I just tell you? God would later tell him, look, but you think you're just the only one left? There's 7,000 guys. They still haven't bowed their knees to Baal. So don't, don't think you're the only one that. But how many? He's having a pity party. He's having a major pity party. Come on, you don't know talk. Uh, I'm the only one, God, trying to try do anything right around here. Everybody in my family is crazy, but me, I'm the one that's trying to serve you. And look where it's gotten me. Everybody's ripped me off, deleted me from Facebook. I'm no longer liked by anybody. No one welcomes me to the reunion anymore. Oh, look at me. I'm a martyr, God. We've had our pity parties. So he's having his pity party telling God how bad things are if God doesn't know, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. The Lord says, okay, okay, we need to talk here. Go out and stand to the mountain in the presence of the Lord where I'm about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. Now, we've been around storms before, and we've seen the wind blow quite a bit around here. We understand what that looks like. God guarantee you've never been into a storm where the wind shattered a rock in half. That's a powerful storm. And he's watching this take place. And the Lord was not in the wind. And then the wind, uh, after the wind was an earthquake. And the earth is shaking. And Elijah's like, oh my goodness, God's about to talk. And, and, and no, the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And in the earthquake came a fire. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper which is a whole other topic, but God was just wanting to talk with this guy and say, look, look, we we need to have a conversation. Your life's not over. Quit being so depressed. Get out of your cave. There's people you need to talk to. There's things we need to move on. We things we got to do. I'm with you. I haven't left you. And this is what we need to know today. You are never alone. And here's what happens. When you give in to your emotions, you end up in a cave. God asks him, why are you in this cave? Well, because she said she's going to kill me, and I'm really depressed right now. See, what happens when we give in to our emotions, we begin to listen to lies. We don't live by emotions. We live by the Word of God. And so because he's listening to these lies, loneliness begins to crop into his heart. Can I tell you that loneliness produces lies? And can I also say that when you begin to feel lonely and buy into bad lies, you begin to make bad decisions. And sometimes the worst decisions you've ever made, you made out of a place of loneliness where God never told you to be lonely, never asked you to be lonely, never expected you to be lonely, but you put yourself in the cave and out of the cave came a bad decision. Mm. I'm not called to be alone. I'm not called to hide out. I'm only called to be in community. I'm called to connectivity. I'm called to walk with God and to, and to fulfill his purpose. So I want to give us this morning five lies of loneliness. Five lies of loneliness. Here's the lies that happen when you begin to give in to your emotions and begin to believe that you are lonely and all alone. Lie number 1 nobody cares about me now we're not going we're not going to say this or admit this but everyone in this room has probably said that at a time or two in their life nobody cares about me i could just die right now no one even care i mean i, I would never be missed no nobody cares about me well, can, can i tell you that yes people do care about you you have friends that care about you, you have family that cares about you, you have a church that cares about you, you have a small group that cares about you, and most importantly, you have a God that cares about you. You have a God that cares about you. And when you're a part of the body of Christ, can I also say, the body of Christ cares for you. The Bible, in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, for God is my witness, whom I serve, with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Let me say it like this you can't be a Christian and not care for people. And if you are associated with the other Christians in the body of Christ, just the fact that they love the Lord means that they care for you. To think that people don't care is to be a very judgmental person. You're just judge- judgmental. You're judging people and pointing your finger at people and assuming that they don't care when it is impossible not to care because they're a Christian. me just say this, just as perhaps you don't even know this. We ask you to fill these little connect cards out when you have prayer requests and needs like that. As soon as you fill those out on a Monday morning, we get these things, we put them together, and we make sure that the prayer team that we have around here is praise about these every week. We have a group of people that are our prayer team, and they pray about these needs every week. And then on top of that, when you have a need, that's an emergency, and you give us a text, we put that on a prayer chain, and immediately that goes out to another whole prayer chain as well. We're praying about those needs. When you're in the hospital, and you come out of a surgery, if we know about it. We're there to give you meals and to help you out. Can't tell me that people don't care for you. We're doing everything we can, and we miss it from time to time. But for the most part, we can say, we care for you. We care for you. You're important. But the reality is that you can't enter into a relationship with Christ and then put expectations on people. What happens is we, we, we say... We love the Lord, and we don't care what people think, and we don't care if people don't notice this, but we really do, and, 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 but here's the deal. If you are, if you are a follower of Christ, that means that you pick up the cross all the time, and you follow him. I was helping a person move, a family move in our church last night, and and we, he had a cross, and uh, one of the young boys was carrying a cross like this. I said, son, you need to put that on your shoulder. (laughs) He said, why? I said, because you need to learn how to carry that thing every day because that's what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. Because the Bible says to pick up your cross... And carry it on. What does that mean? Why do I pick up a cross? Not literally. We don't pick cross up. But what it means is that we literally are saying to ourselves every day, just like Jesus, I'm going to go and I'm going to put myself on this wooden beam, this tree, and I'm going to die for this world, this humanity. And whether or not they ever make a decision to follow God or not is irregardless. I'm still going to give them the opportunity. And the decision becomes theirs. So I'm not expecting anything from humanity. I'm just going to give my life and hope that they will make the right decision. And that's the way we live our life. We don't expect anything from people. We get up on a cross and we give our lives away to God and to others and we just live. We just live. (laughs) Well, even if they don't love me back, I still love and live for them. Lie number two is, oh, no one misses me. And no one notices my absence. Now, I'm I'm not preaching. Here's the good news. I'm not preaching any of this this today because I've heard anything and I feel people are making any kind of... I've not heard anything. I just felt like we needed to talk about this today. But I'll tell you this. My wife and I have been married 27 years. And every Sunday afternoon, whether it's on the drive home, or it's at that house eating dinner, or at a restaurant eating dinner, we will have, I promise you, for 27 years we've had this conversation on Sunday afternoons. She'll turn to me, or I'll turn to her, and I'll say, you know, I didn't see so-and-so today. Did you see so-and-so? No, I didn't see them. Huh. I wonder what's going on. I mean, for 27 years, you would think... There would be a week or two, or perhaps we would we would have we talk about the weather, we talk about, you know, something the kids or joy or you know, love or joy, peace or whatever in the world. And and no, we talk about, hey, I didn't see so-and-so today. I wonder where so-and-so's at. Now we, of course, obviously we miss it from time. Well, why why do we do it?? Well, because there's a love inside of us for people. And when you're not there. It seems, it's like this gift I have. I don't know, I miss it a lot, but I, 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 I notice. It's like I notice when someone's not around. And that's what happens. When, when, the, the Lord wants you to know that yet you are missed, and people do miss you. Even God said this in Hebrews 13, 5. God said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. So even if no one misses you, there's still a God who misses you and who's never forsaken you. Our Heavenly Father is not a faraway God. He is a right here with you now, God. And to know Christ is to know that he is always with me. In fact, one of the names of Jesus is the word Emmanuel. They said, you're going to call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means God with us. His very name means, hey, dude, I'm with you. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Guess what? Hello? He's with you. God with us. God with you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's with you. Go ahead. He's with you. He knows where you're at. He's not far away from you. He's very close to you. Now I'm going to say something. You may not like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Until Christ is all you have. Until Christ is all you have then you will always be looking for someone to fill you up. That's one of the reasons, I'm I'm just sad to say this, but that's one of the reasons we have a lot of marriages in crisis. Because they enter into the marriage covenant expecting the other person to meet all of their needs when God never designed that person to meet your needs. God designed himself to meet your needs. And when you allow God to meet all your needs, you don't put these expectations on this other person that they can never meet. And guess what you have? You have a good marriage. But When you start to put expectations on her or on him that they can never meet, then now you're in a crisis because that's not going to happen and they're going to fall short because they're not God, believe it or not. And now... All that you're left to is to turn to him and say, God, thank you that you never leave me and you never forsake me when my spouse doesn't meet my needs like I think they should. You're still with me and you'll meet my needs and you know what I need and I'm going to be okay in you because that's, you're with me and, and I'm not in this thing alone. Can you give God a good praise for not being in this thing alone? The reason I am even talking about this I, too long ago I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a great person, a great, a great person in the Lord. And this person had served the Lord and done some incredible things for God and really been obedient, laid down their life for the Lord in so many incredible ways. But found themselves in out of a job and being talked about behind their back. And people, you know, just kind of kind of not hanging with the person anymore and not checking up on the person anymore, not just kind of like, you know, like an old shoe, not, not wanted anymore, and this person went through a very dark time, maybe you know what I'm talking about, and I was, I followed up with the person, I wanted to see how they were doing, and ended up not knowing this, but I was one of the few people that had really followed up to see what they were doing, not for a pat on the back, just I happened to be one of the few, and and I said, well, how, how are you doing? And, and they said, you know, I wasn't doing very good uh, a while back, but I'm good now. I said, well, why are you good now? He said, because God spoke to me, like God spoke to Elijah. I said, well, what God say? He said, God simply said, you'll never walk alone. Said JP, when the Lord said that to me, I cried and bawled like a baby. Because I'd forgotten that God was with me. And I'm never alone. I'm never alone. Aren't you glad you're never alone? You're never alone. He's always with you. Hmm. Line number three live lie of loneliness. What I do doesn't matter. Mm. Well, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So if you think, here we go. I'm just kind of just being honest with you. We're talking in the Bible. If, if you feel that what you do doesn't matter, then maybe you're doing it so it would matter to people and you expected them to acknowledge that what you were doing matters. But really, what we're supposed to live and how we're live, to live is we do things not so... We get a reward, a return, or that a boy, or look at you go, or aren't you my man, or aren't you my great woman, or wife, or whatever. We don't do it for applause. We don't do it for accolades. We simply do things because it's the right thing to do. And because we're doing the things that are right to do, because we're doing them out of love, guess what? It does matter. And what you do does matter. But if what you do is done with the wrong heart, then it does not matter. (laughs) Really? Really? Because you're doing it with the wrong heart. We do it with a heart of love. Not for expectations. Boy, that's that's a hard lesson to learn sometimes. But that's the way we serve. That's that's a servant's heart. Hmm. Number four, lie number four. It's their fault. I'm all alone. Uh Uh-huh. If it hadn't been for Jezebel... I'll be fine right now, but that Jezebel you gave me, Lord, uh-huh she's ruined my life. Listen, if you're called a Jezebel, that's not a good thing, you know'm i just and i'm if your name is Jezebel, I'm sorry you i don't know, i i thankfully I've never my whole life I've never met anyone named jezebel, but i've I've met many that should be called Jezebel. I'm, <laughs> yeah. and so, so it's so, that so Jezebel. I mean, because of her, I'm unhappy. Because of her, you know, she's ruined my life, and I'm, I've, you know, I'm, I'm kicked out of the house. She's taken all, my, all my stuff, and I, I don't, I'm sleeping in the woods. I'm sleeping in a tent. I, I, don't have nothing anymore. She, she, that And so, what we take on is this victim mentality. It was, uh, hadn't been for that man, God. I'd be fine, but man, that man's ruined my life, or that, that boss has ruined my life, and I used to have a happy life in there. I go to work every day. He just beats me down. I just come home, just feel like I'm a nobody, and we have this victim mentality. Can I just say this? And This is really going to be hard for you to accept, but you need to hear this. My name is JP. I'm your friend, and I love you. Come on. I got to tell you something really hard. Here it is. Loneliness is always your fault. Let me say it like this: loneliness <laughs> is always your fault. Because everyone's like staring at me. <laughs> so mad. What? It's not my fault. I didn't deserve this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Listen, you. Do, your choice was to be lonely. Your choice was to be isolated. Your choice was to, to uh, separate yourself. That's your choice you've made. Loneliness is always your fault. You know, let me read Proverbs 18 because you may not believe it. So this is Bible. I'm just telling you about Proverbs 18 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Look at this. A man that has friends, everybody say must. Must. You got to. That means you got to show himself friendly. Well, I don't have any friends. No one loves me. I, I'm all alone. Well, it's because you're mean. My wife says, you're just a meanie butt. That's what my wife says, you're just a meanie butt. <laughs> it's hard to love a porcupine. It's another Melissa quote. <laughs> Listen, if you want friends, you got to put it out there and be the friend first. That's a risky, that's a risky proposition. Many of us don't ever want to do that. I mean, the first time I, I grew up, if I am no, I'm nothing like I was as a young man. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a picture personally of a person who's been transformed by the grace of God. But I felt very, I, I grew up short in everything, so I had a lot of rejection issues. I just, before I even talked to you, I expected you to reject me before we even ended up having a conversation. That's just kind of how I grew up because I, I had that mentality, and so. I remember when I we went to to college, and, uh, man, Saturdays would come, and I had nothing to do, and I loved playing football. And so I said to my roommate, "I sh- he, he didn't play ball. He didn't care about sports. I was like, I sure would like to play a game of some flag football. That would be fun to do on a Saturday and uh, maybe start, you know, have a league I could be a part of. And he goes, well, why don't you start a, a flag football league? And I said, well, that's crazy. I mean, I can't I couldn't do that. He goes, well, why don't you Call up a bunch of uh, people in the church and asked see if they wanted to play football. And I said, well, that's a stupid idea. Who would want to play football with me? So I said to him, who would want to play football with me? He goes, well, you never know if someone wants to play football with you or not if, if you don't call them. And then he walked out of the room. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just like slapped me across the face. As simple as a little game of football. you know. It was like no big deal. It was just like... For anybody else, it's no big deal. For me, for a person that had rejection issues, that's a big deal. Calling somebody up on the phone, going, hey, you want to play football? I know you don't want to, but you can't. I just feel like I should ask you anyway. You know, have you ever <laughs> done that before, you know? Apologize for the, you know, already receiving the rejection for you and asking. You. I know you don't want to marry me, but would you like to marry me? I don't. <laughs> just asking you. And so I so so I felt I felt I felt like you know what if I'm ever going to get over this I have got to put myself out there I got and so I made a list of all these people to call and, and, and some of them were really popular some were you know had other things were busy jobs not, and I, but I, but I made myself so hard and the first call was like hey David how you doing uh, yeah fine what's up uh, listen uh, and I I, I apologize listen, I know you probably <laughs> busy I don't have a lot of time. But, but um, we're going to play some football. I didn't have nobody yet, but it was my first call. <laughs> we're going to play football Saturday at 11 o'clock at Joe Brown Field Park there in New Orleans. I would love to have you come play, man. All right, man, I'll be there. And I, I, and I said, what would you say? <laughs> I, serious. I, was, I said, seriously, I said, what would you say? He goes, yeah, I'll be there. What, what time? I said, 11. Uh, uh, I said, then I said, are you sure you want to come? I said, are you sure you want to come? <laughs> Because I couldn't believe this was actually happening. He actually said yes. He said yes to me. I hung up the phone. I'm like, did that just happen? Someone actually said yes to my invitation. It gave me a little boldness. I picked up the phone, called the next guy. I go, hey, dude, David and I are <laughs> <laughs> playing football Saturday. When I got there, there was already 15 guys at the field already throwing the ball around waiting for me to show up. I, I, I walked down there, all, and they looked at me, and they said, all right, JP, what's up? What, what, what's the teams? I'm like, no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm being serious. I was always the last guy. It was always, you know, because I was the shortest, I was always the last guy I picked. That's why I, and I've never picked teams. I, I hate that. Quit <laughs> picking teams. Just don't do that. And he goes, JP, what's the teams? I'm like, oh, whatever you want them to be. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm just glad to be here, guys. <laughs> There's the flags. is put them on. <laughs> uh, but you have to put your, you have to show yourself friendly to have friends. Loneliness is on you. So quit being lonely and have a friend and be one. Which brings us to number five. This time, the band's going to come up and they're going to be ready and take their place. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Lies of loneliness number five. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be loved. All the things I've done, all the shenanigans I pulled, lies I've said, and people I've deceived, and people I've taken money from, people I've robbed. I don't deserve friendship i'm a, I'm a bad person I, I I deserve to be put in a social timeout I don't deserve to be loved hmm. i I deserve to be alone I deserve it I've, this is this is me psalms one thirty nine verse seven through twelve Oh, the message Bibles is a great bible to read especially to your kids it was a, a bible actually written by a guy because he wanted a Bible that his kids could read as he read to them before they went to sleep. I love this passage. Is there any place I can go to avoid this, your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. Why? Because you're already there waiting for then I said to myself, hmm. He even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. There is never a time where you are not in His presence. He said, "Lo, I am with you always, even when you've been bad, even when you've been wrong." you said some things you shouldn't have said guess what he's still with you well no I've been taught that he's only with me when I do good well you've been taught wrong he's with you always good and the bad because he's in covenant with you he's always with you I was talking to an individual not too long ago who had uh been using the Lord in a pretty powerful way for years in his life. He went through a bad divorce. His wife left him. And um, because his wife left him, he, people in the church, he felt, started talking about him behind his back and saying things. And he bought into all that. And so then he felt hurt and betrayed and so he quit going to church just stopped serving the Lord at all just started doing whatever he felt like doing and eventually over more than a decade time he just found himself just in this cyclical pattern of just destruction true story so he's on his way to a bar one night having known the Lord now I've walked away from the Lord, feeling so alone, just all by himself. And he's driving to the bar, and he out loud says to God, God, do you even want me anymore? Do you even know where I'm at? So he said out loud, as he's driving He said, I desperately wanted to be loved by God. I desperately wanted to serve the Lord again. I desperately, but I, I felt like my life had fallen apart and I had nothing left to offer. It's a cool story. So he arrives at the bar and it's karaoke night. So he goes up and he sings a song. And... Uh, Comes down off the platform stage, from singing a karaoke song, walking back to the bar. And there was a woman there he'd never seen before, dressed in a white pantsuit, all white pantsuit. And he's walking back to the bar, and she, she's kind of a large lady, and she pulls him with the arm. To the, she pulls him, and he literally pulls. She pulls him around like this, right in front of him. And he's staring straight at her, and. I went like this and she said, I want you to know something, sir. She said, God told me to tell you something. Said, okay. He's in a bar, just saying karaoke. Walking back to the bar. She said, God wants you to know that he knows right where you're at. And he's here. And he's still calling you. He's he broke down and cried. Like a little baby. So embarrassed how he was handling himself, he ran to the men's restroom and locked the door and cried like a little baby. Thank you, God, for talking telling me that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Came out of the bar, out of the bathroom. The lady was gone. No one knew who it was. No one ever seen her before. He'd never seen her before perhaps an angel perhaps just someone God used I don't know but I do know this that it saved his life and God answered his prayer just a little whisper in the truck on the way to the bar God do you even know where I'm at Hmm. he sends a woman in a white pantsuit yeah I know where you're at God knows where you're at. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Just a moment. This morning, maybe you've you've come here and you've asked yourself that same question. Does God even know where I'm at? Maybe you have been where Elijah was at, in a cave. Maybe you're there even now. You're isolated, you've secluded yourself, and you're all by yourself. You feel Loved, uncared for, unwanted, undeserving. God brought you here today. Tell you you're not alone. You are not alone. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.